0: So, Kyle. Yeah, Tyler. There was an SEO conference the other weekend, and uh, one of the speakers was baffled uh, that no one came to a session, and he found out later that it was because they couldn't find him. Do you know why they couldn't find his session? No, why couldn't they find his session? He was in room 404.
1: (laughs) All right. Okay. Not bad. That's a 404
0: error joke. I haven't heard one of those yet. Welcome to the Lion Share Podcast, for marketing leaders, by marketing leaders. Brought to you by Fidelitas Development. All right, and welcome to another edition of the Lion Share Marketing Podcast. We've got a great episode nine for you. Quite frankly, it'll be the best episode nine that we've ever done. I'm one of your co-hosts, Tyler Sickmeyer, coming to you live from our San Diego office, and I am proud to be joined by Kyle. I'm not afraid to talk about my feelings, Weber. Kyle, welcome to the Lion Share Marketing Podcast. Great to have you back with me.
1: I feel so good to be here today. I just feel wonderful. I feel happy. I feel like this is going to be the
0: best episode nine that we've ever done. I agree. So a lot of competition to stack up to as far as other episode nines, but this one is quite special. We actually have a great guest joining us today. Uh, Kristen Ledwick from Ace Parking is joining us to talk about how exactly you go about marketing. A parking company. And so it was really an insightful episode. Great conversation with Kristen. Can't wait to get to that. But Kyle, first, what's in the news? News team
2: assembled!
1: Well, Tyler, as you know, Facebook just had their F8 developers conference. So we got a lot of news from that. And I'm sure many of our listeners have probably even seen some of the stuff come across the news about that, especially with the augmented reality. That got a lot of news time because everyone's interested in augmented reality. And maybe even our listeners right now may think that we're recording this podcast in Facebook spaces and we're just a couple
0: characters. What do you think your character would look like? Well, I don't know how you could have proven upon the original model. So, I I mean, it'd probably be just identical to me. I'd have to imagine. I mean, if we're going for quality and technological innovation, I would say the closest they can get to the real McCoy would be the best possible version. Yeah. I wonder how you go about picking that. I mean, I have a Bitmoji. Do you have a Bitmoji? You, You know, I've never bothered to set one up, but you and my wife are both quite strong at the Bitmoji game.
1: I love Bitmoji because it allows me to express how I feel and you can go through there and pick out the outfit. And mine is the B. I have a bee costume in all of my Bitmojis. So if you haven't checked out Bitmoji, I highly recommend it for all of you who don't have a problem expressing your feelings. Or if you're wondering how you look in stripes. So. <laughs> I often wonder. Well, the bee costume gives you that answer. So for Facebook Spaces, it's a virtual reality experience for you and up to three of your friends thus far, but all of you have to have those Oculus Rift headsets in order to get the full experience. But inside that, you can take selfies. You can chat with friends who aren't even in the virtual reality experience. You can explore 360 degree videos with friends. It's pretty awesome. Kind of think of it as those like Snapchat filters, but mixed with like Bitmoji characters. I'm interested to see, you know, what the advertising opportunities are going to be within that at some point. I mean, a lot of that stuff is moving in that direction. We've seen Snapchat came out with their spectacles. And the big news here is basically, I guess what Mark Zuckerberg, or at least the interpretation of the death of the smartphone, is all going to move to these virtual reality glasses. Now, I don't know. What do you think? I don't think it's going to go that far, but I do see some uses for them.
0: I don't know if it'll replace the phone, but I think it'll definitely become another key accessory, much like the smart watch has become a key accessory now. And again, that's another opportunity for engagement, especially with early adapters. I think it's interesting with all the technological advancements from both VR and augmented reality. You start looking at where Facebook already is and with what Facebook is doing with places and with offering. I'm sure most business owners know you can offer free gated Wi-Fi with Facebook in return for capturing information, which is a nice little tool for brick and mortars. I highly recommend looking into Facebook Wi-Fi if you're not using it already. That said, Facebook is very location-centric in a lot of the data that it gathers. And so as technology continues to advance, I think it's going to be a great opportunity for marketers to leverage that data with VR and AR technology for engagement with consumers like we've never seen before. The only question I think though, Kyle, is whether or not people are going to welcome that intrusion of branding and marketing into their experiences and if they're willing to tolerate it and engage it or if they're going to push back and either not use a platform or if it'll curb use enough that Facebook will right. have to rethink how it integrates advertising into these new platforms.
1: Yeah, I'm interested to see that. I know thinking back in the day for some of the video games, which I know is not virtual reality, but, you know, in video games, they implemented ways to advertise things that, you know, felt natural to whatever the landscape was inside a video game. And I am not a gamer by any means. So, but I do remember that. So I don't know, maybe it'll be something like that. I'm not sure. But during the F8 conference, they announced a couple tools that they're using. So they're introducing automated insights to help brands save time understanding the data that they're collecting for their businesses. They want to make it, I mean, all this data, all these data points are coming in from all of these different places and they're wanting these brands to understand how to use this data and how to interpret it quickly because there's just so many touch points. There's so much being collected, it can be overwhelming. And so this kind of will give you a tool to understand how to use that data. One of the stats that I pulled out of here, Tyler, from uh, watching one of the videos was that 60% of all of the mobile traffic consumption, this is mobile traffic consumption, is creating and sharing video. 60%. Wow. That's huge. And that tells brands exactly what they need to be doing In focusing on another stat that I pulled out of here was about engagement and video engagement. That's video is experiencing five times more engagement than static content, which would be like photos or text across Facebook and Instagram. So five times more engagement coming from videos. I think for us as marketers, those are stats that we need to know. Also, it can be a lot more effective and cost effective by utilizing video into your marketing campaigns.
0: Absolutely. You know, the other interesting piece, again, is I think just how much Facebook is focused on their Messenger app. I've heard a stat that they're expecting Messenger app to make a significant dent into the use of tools like SMS and WhatsApp down the line. You know, they expect all that traffic to start to curve towards Facebook Messenger. Uh, I know Facebook for the workplace just released a Slack competitor as well. but. I think the more that you figure out how to leverage Facebook Messenger for your business from your brand page, whether that's with bots and automated messaging, or whether that's just a more focal point of getting your users engaged with it, it's going to be critical. I think there's an opportunity right now for forward-thinking marketing leaders, like the folks listening to this podcast, to get out in front of that and start to play around with a Facebook Messenger tool like Olark or ManyChat and start to learn Just what your brand is capable of, and what you can do to take that consumer engagement up a notch before everyone jumps on this in the next 12 to 24 months. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I completely agree. I think that's obviously Messenger, you know, to be able to directly connect with people who have already messaged you is fantastic. And also going back to Facebook Workplace, you know, Facebook is basically challenging the indie tool that everybody loves, which is Slack and, uh, you know, the chat features that slack has so it's at the end of the year i think that their facebook's wanting to offer their standard tier for free to compete with slack and then i think if you want a premium version or some sort of paid version you get some better admin tools or some cloud storage or something like that i've downloaded the app for facebook workplace but i have not actually utilized it so if any of our listeners out there are utilizing facebook workplace i would love to know about that if you want to send us a message Great, Kyle. And
0: uh, without further ado, let's get to our interview with Kristen Ludwig from Ace Parking. All right. And we are joined today by Kristen Ludwig. Kristen started out as a marketing coordinator over at Sadaf Companies and then transitioned to a couple different uh, biz dev and ad agency positions before becoming the Director of Marketing for Ace Parking, which is what we're going to talk to her about today. So, Kristen, thanks for joining Kyle and I here on the Lion Share Marketing Podcast.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, Welcome, Kristen. So, Kristen, you've clearly got a pretty diverse background, uh, like we talked about. Why parking? Why park your career at Ace Parking?
2: well i think if you ask many of my colleagues in the parking industry nobody ever sets out to be in the parking industry you sort of just fall into the parking industry unless you're born into the parking industry which sometimes is you just go part. where the
0: open spaces are right, oh, That's okay.
2: right. <laughs> we've already started and so, <laughs> so you know I i knew when i graduated from college i had a communications degree i really wanted to go into broadcast journalism However, I interviewed at a TV station and they wanted to pay me nine dollars and twenty-five cents an hour, which really wasn't going to cut it. So I decided to go through the phone book and I started looking at every ad agency I could find. I thought, you know, I can, I'm a good writer. Let me do this. So I called one up. They said they were hiring. I became a marketing, well, it was really an account manager, which lasted for a year because again, it paid nothing, bottom of the barrel at a large ad agency. Then I moved into a corporate marketing department at Suttis Companies, which is a national moving and transportation company, as their marketing coordinator. And there I got this great wide variety of exposure to advertising and PR and marketing. And left there thinking, you know, we'd actually worked with a a large agency. And I thought, you know, maybe I missed the agency world. Let me go back. So I went back. And then I relocated to San Diego, and with the downturn of the economy, I was laid off from there. And then a few years later, worked at another agency, was laid off from there. And it was at that point in my life that I said, you know what, I really just want to go work for a company that is stable, it can make it through any recession. And I started looking for companies that were headquartered in San Diego that had a long history, perhaps were privately owned. Never did I actually ever find Ace Parking. I found a few others when I was interviewing and I was about to accept a job at another company and the vice president of HR for Ace Parking called me up and said, you know, we'd love to have you come in and interview for a business development position. And I was completely shocked because I had no idea why a parking company would need a business development person. Because as far as I knew, all they did was set up shop and take people's money on parking lots. And I was completely wrong. I didn't realize that commercial property managers or hotels or special events or airports hire parking companies to actually manage the parking aspect. And so I accepted the position after realizing that this was going to be a challenge. Because how do you make parking sexy? How can you actually sell parking to people when nobody really wants to buy parking. And so that's how I got here. And eventually I became the director of marketing as we grew. And we found you know, that we needed to be a little bit more strategic and grow our department. And so I now have this crazy dual role of doing new business for the company and supporting our, our, my colleagues across the country who are also doing new business. And then also branding the company and making sure we're positioning ourselves correctly in the marketplace. And then also having a conversation with consumers to let them know about parking opportunities, whether it's monthly parking or parking for going to an event or listening to the conversation on social media and getting to know our customers.
1: That's great. So how do you take something that is maybe arguably unsexy and how do you make it sexy for businesses and consumers?
2: Well, on the B2B side, you know, unfortunately, this industry is very commoditized and we find ourselves constantly being invited to a bidding process where people say, just give us basically your, your bottom line dollar, tell us why you're different. And what we find, especially when it's a public bid and you get to see the other person's proposals, that we're all saying the exact same thing. And where we place great emphasis is making sure that we're communicating exactly who we are true to ourselves true to what started our company back in 1950, which is really this focus on customer service. And I know it sounds cliche, but our company is now third generation, privately owned, and we still have this same thought process of this neighbor to neighbor, personal service. And we truly believe that it's actually been beneficial because our clients will say to us, you know, it's crazy. All my other vendors are these big, uh, you know, nationwide public companies, and it's refreshing to work with a family-owned private company that I know I could still pick up the phone and call the owner of the company and, and talk to them if I have a need. And so while that's important to some clients, other clients just think that you know our approach being that we don't really believe we're actually in the parking industry, we actually think we're more of like hospitality. and so it's our people are sort of trained as they're working at a five-star hotel, even if they're just working an event at Qualcomm it's the same approach to customer service across the board and that's usually what keeps customers coming back so that's of course important to our client
1: so your customers you're saying feel loyal to ace parking because of the customer experience that they get with your company and that's what differentiates you from the competition
2: there's that and then there's also just without this being coming a sales pitch <laughs> there's a number of other Ways that we're a little bit different, you know, our auditing practices are very stringent. um, Something we place great emphasis on, which that's the main reason people may not even know, but that's the main reason why a lot of companies or institutions actually outsource their parking is because there's so much money going through the parking operation, whether it's in a garage of a high rise or if it's a Padres game and we have an attendant out there collecting cash or if it's the valet operation at a hotel downtown, there's so many different elements that go into it. And so auditing and revenue control is a huge piece to make sure that you're collecting every dollar that should be collecting and giving it to the owner of the property, especially even on surface lots. It's really important. Most people don't know that we actually don't own the surface lots that we operate. And and that goes for most of the parking companies. They're pretty much just the manager of that parking operation on someone else's property.
1: So as you say on the consumer side, do you have people who are specifically looking for ace parking as they're roaming around looking for a place to park? Is that like your hope? Is that they choose you because of the experience they've had in the past?
2: Absolutely. Part of when I started this job, I realized, you know, this has been seven years that I've been here. I was constantly getting calls from people, even though I was in a business business development role. For some reason, all the calls just go to me, I don't know why. But I was getting calls from people saying that they were really upset about their experience at this one location and they would give me the cross streets and I would think that's not even an Ace parking lot. So it became evident that there was no brand loyalty really. Um, People were just assuming it was Ace because perhaps we're the biggest one in town. I'm assuming that's the reason why. But what was crazy was that they didn't even look at the sign They just would Google our name and then call us without even checking to see that it said you know, another company's name on the sign. And so when we went through the branding process about five, six years ago, we really had the hopes of connecting with the consumer a little bit more, giving them a little bit more value so that they do start to recognize who we are. And we've launched a few campaigns since then, which has been great. But I really feel like our brand loyalty increased when we started using social media, and that was about four years ago, four or five years ago now. And I think the reason is is because we take a lot of time to use social media to help promote parking because we want people to have a good experience. If we know they're going to go to an event in the gas lamp, we don't want them to have to worry about parking because it's part of our job, if we operate so much of the parking in the gas lamp, it's also part of our job to let people know about it. It's like having a clothing store right? and never telling anybody that you sell clothes. I mean, you're doing yourself a disservice. So we believe that even though it's parking, even though it's usually an afterthought for people and it's something people don't like to pay for, we still believe it's our job to communicate with the public as much as possible on Twitter or Facebook and say, hey guys, if you're headed to this event, click here, you could reserve your parking. Now, obviously it does us a great benefit because then we're, we're capturing the customer, But the whole goal is to get people aware of where they're going to park ahead of going downtown so that they have a much better experience and that they're not worried about parking.
1: I I know personally that is a concern of mine when I go downtown because it can be a downtown where I live in Nashville. It's a tourist area, so there could be so much and you may not find parking and it can be really frustrating or extremely expensive. But if you know it's going to be a great experience, I'd be willing to try and use a company that is concerned about my experience. I think that's totally true.
2: Yeah. And so I think that that, you know, you asked me earlier, where do we differentiate ourselves? And obviously, you know, we all do everything a little bit differently, but our tagline, our corporate mantra is every thank you earned. And that's really where that comes from. It's making sure whether you're a B2B customer or a B2C customer, you know, whether you are, are buying our services and paying us a monthly contract fee or you're coming to our parking lot you know, as just a, a night out on the town customer. We want to make sure that the experience from beginning to end was great. And that's really what we strive for. And so I think that that's how most brands try to generate brand loyalty is by giving the customer a great experience, whether you're selling shoes or hats or whatever it is. Yeah. And you would never think that parking could make such an impact on your life because it's usually such a negative afterthought so we decided to just sort of flip the script and we said let's really take a proactive approach go out there put ourselves on social media, which some of the team had a little bit of hesitation because they thought, oh, this is just going to open ourselves up for people to complain. But I looked at that more as an opportunity for us to hear people and actually combat the situation and really understand what our customers want or need or the things that they're seeing, because obviously we can't be out on the street every single day. So I looked at it as an effective tool to really work with our clients, our customers, and get involved in the conversation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so now, how would you quantify the size of Ace Parking and like, how do you quantify it by how many lots you have or regions that you're covering, spaces managed?
2: I think, you know, in our industry, it's typically by number of employees and parking spaces that you oversee. I mean, everybody quantifies it a little bit differently. Yeah, okay.
1: So for all those spaces that are managed, I know that Ace Parking has an app, correct?
2: So yes, so we do have an app. We launched it fourth quarter of last year, and really the first version was to allow people to search for parking, they can mark their car, they can use a tool to help them relocate their car, get them back to their car, they could add certain locations to a favorites list, and then really just get information about the lot. So our second phase just released at select locations earlier this month, and we're sort of still working through some of the particulars where people can actually pay for parking through the app. And so in the next couple months, the app will be everywhere that we are. It will be, it'll be launched nationwide and you can pay for parking through the app at every single one of the locations on the app. So that's awesome. Um, and again, you know, it's something we've been working on for a few years because we want people to understand that we're not in this business just to manage parking. We're in this business to really help people have a great experience. And so the app is really the natural progression of allowing people to search for parking ahead of time and pay for it even ahead of time, give give some directions right to the location. We've actually just formed a partnership with a company called Enrix. I don't know if you're familiar with them. They're basically the brain behind the connected car. Mm. And so by way of our partnership with Enrix, we also are listing all of our parking on the navigation app Waze. So if you go and you search for a location, yeah, you search for a location on Waze, it'll give you parking options. Because typically when you're going to Waze and you're typing in a destination, if there's not parking on site, then you're left to find for parking when you get there.
1: Mm -hmm. And
2: so Waze got smart and said, you know what, let's put parking options there. And so... So now our locations are feeding into the Waze app as well. and So, you know, it's all centered around making it super easy for the customer. And so we're hoping, too, more people will download our app and become, you know, loyal ace customers and want to park with us on a regular basis.
1: Well, we'll make sure to add that in the show notes for sure. Okay, so now what advice would you give to someone who's just graduating college, wants to be part of the marketing industry? Do you have any advice for someone like that?
2: I do. I'm a big proponent of testing things out. I changed my major five times within the four years I was at Penn State. I'm not quite sure how I graduated on time, but somehow I did. And I went from media studies, advertising, graphic design, pre-med to journalism. And it was through that sort of discovery process, I call it, that I realized That I knew I wanted to be in the marketing industry. I didn't want to major in marketing because I felt like it was just so focused on business and bottom line and numbers and budgets, which is great. And I probably would have benefited from learning that back then, although I did learn it on the job. It gave me a really good wide spectrum of knowledge, knowing, Mm -hmm. seeing different types of occupations. And so once I graduated from college, I had really somewhat of an idea of which way I wanted to go, but I didn't know in particular, which which direction to take my communications degree and go start my career. And so that's why I sort of jumped around a couple of years working for an agency, working for a corporate company that had, you know, an in-house marketing department, getting experience there. I even worked for a startup briefly in that time. And then I went to work for a much smaller local agency here in Encinitas that's now since closed. But, you know, when you graduate from college, you can't Go out there with the expectation that your first job is going to be where you know you're going to retire from. Now, some oh, yeah. some people obviously, if you spend a lot of time in law school or med school, you probably do want to do that. <laughs> um, but I think in the marketing industry, you really need to see it from different perspectives. So I love that I had the opportunity to work on the agency side, right. and then the corporate side, and then back to the agency side. And then I knew I wanted to come back into the, the corporate side, yeah, um, where I was working with an agency. And I love the agency life. Obviously, I you know, <laughs> was downsized twice in two years during the downturn in the <laughs> economy. So to me, you know, just at that point in my life, and I was about to get married and have kids, I wanted something just a little bit more stable. And so I just think you have to really look at opportunities that give you different vantage points, right. and then also picking the right career that fits the right lifestyle. And I think with sure. millennials, that's very important to them.
1: Oh, it, yeah, it definitely is. And we see that all the time. So, okay, so now what about marketing experts? From your experience, could you lend some advice about brand loyalty and how to kind of stand out from just maybe being a commodity like maybe the parking industry would be? How can you rise above that?
2: How can we rise above becoming a commodity?
1: Right. Or just being seen as a commodity.
2: I think my top secret advice is super simple. It's just telling your story and being true to who you are as a company. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, especially being on the agency side, I saw so many companies that I would go in and try to work with that were trying to be all things to all people, and not every customer is going to be right for you. We constantly will say, you know what, thank you for inviting us to bid. This just doesn't fit our service delivery model. You're asking us to provide a level of, you know, or a suite of services, but it's not really focusing on the one that we feel like is the most important. And so we bow out all the time from bids and we really just want to stay true to who we are. And so I, see, I feel like when when you're, you're selling your product or your service, The more authentic you can be with who you are, what the history is that makes up that product or that service, that will come out a thousand times stronger than any fancy tagline creative marketing campaign that you put together.
1: Yeah, I love that. I think you're absolutely right. You can't be everything to everybody. And I think that really helps also create those raving fans right? Those people who are mm-hmm. definitely going to be loyal to your brand. Okay. So there are a lot of companies out there, I believe, you know, this digital age and social media marketing isn't really appropriate for their specific industry. And maybe they've, you know, view their industry like something as exciting as parking. What would you say to those industries? Like what advice do you have for them, given that you're tackling that issue head on and you're nailing it, you're doing a great job at? It.
2: Well, thank you. Oh, <laughs> well, pleasure. what I would say is that It's a great opportunity for you to sort of lead the industry, lead your boring industry, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I wanted to go on and do social media, of course, I checked out all of my competitors and some were using it okay. Some hadn't posted in six months. And, of course, I had no idea what I was doing. I opened up this Twitter account. I opened up this Facebook account for our company Mm -hmm. and I thought, all right, well, how hard can this be? I post on Facebook and Twitter all the time. Well, when you're representing your company, first of all, you're like, who am I talking to? Am I, is this right. geared towards consumers? Is this geared towards my clients or my future clients? And I decided at some point, LinkedIn is best for my prospects or my clients, because that's where they're gonna wanna go to look at you know, trusted business information. If I'm a consumer, I'm probably gonna be looking at Facebook and Twitter and or Instagram, which we just started using. Okay. Um, And so we sort of segmented that, the social media for our different markets. So Facebook and Twitter is all consumer facing for the most part, unless we're going to try to show or give a glimpse into our company, if we're recognizing something that we've done or recognizing our team, we'll also use that social media using Facebook and Twitter for that as well. But I think that we had a unique opportunity because nobody ever really cared about Parking on social media before. I mean, why would you ever go to Twitter and follow a parking company? <laughs> it just doesn't seem like the natural thing to do. I'm
1: going to um, admit that does not seem natural. <laughs>
2: <laughs> However, and I'll give you this great example because we manage the parking reservations for not just at the Conve- San Diego Convention Center, but for most of the parking in and around the convention center, but for Comic Con. We actually can attribute most of our followers to Comic Con because you know we were making announcements about when the parking was going to go on sale. And so that's really what jump started our, our Twitter following and our having such a following on Facebook were, were these people from Comic Con going there. And so what we found was wow, if we can just start to promote events that can help people park in or near the location if we manage it. Let's do it, not just for Comic-Con. Let's do it for everything. And so that's how our social media strategy sort of began. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I just looked at what made the most sense, Who was going to be spending time, why would they even look at our Twitter feed or our Facebook page? And so it took some tweaking and we we did a lot of experiments just to see because there's no set standard for how to use social media in the parking right. industry. I mean there really <laughs> I had no resources to you know I had no reports I had no metrics there was nothing for me to really look at. And we partnered we even partnered with a couple different social media companies along the way and both of them said to me I really don't know how to guide you because yeah. you're such an anomaly. You're not selling trinkets you're not selling insurance, which is typically what people usually would say were most like when you're trying to sell something, something you, you know you have to pay for, but you don't really want to pay for it. And so I had both of them say, I really don't know how to advise you on this. And I think that what could be considered similar to us would be like the security industry, yeah. you know, okay. um, yeah. or landscaping industry. I mean, these are, these are services that are typically purchased by you know, the same clients that we have. But if you're a security company and you really want to get in touch with consumers who may become your biggest fans because they're working the door at your downtown apartment complex, and maybe they're the ones that can then go and influence property management to hire your company, you know, again and again, then use social media. Give out tips on ways to be safe or, you know, just add value for that person. So Exactly. But, you know... If if you're in an industry that's not using social media very much, you have a unique opportunity to be the industry leader. So I say seize it.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. So now just another question is concerning ACE and your strategy. You know, you work with business to business and business to consumer. How does your brand voice or does it even change when you're addressing your audience on social media platforms?
2: It doesn't really, you know, and that's, again, it goes back to who we are as a company and having integrity and staying authentic. Our corporate tagline of every thank you earned is something that maybe wasn't coined, you know, 67 years ago when they started the company, but it's the same basis that it was founded on. And so our tone, it's not even something that we really put a whole lot of effort into because we're always just telling our story. We're always just Being who we are, we're being authentic. And it's something we talk about internally. You know, when we're working with clients or we're interacting with consumers, part of our training is just make sure you're representing the brand and what we stand for, which is to deliver this service that will just really impress the customer and be authentic. And if you're having to change your tone on a regular basis, you're not being very authentic. And so, whether we're on LinkedIn and we're talking to our clients or our prospects, we're still being authentic. We're showing who we are as a company. We're celebrating successes or employees who have done a great job, you know, earning every thank you. And then on social media, we are really coming from a place of caring and wanting to help the customer and give them a good experience. So, you know, when I meet with my team here in a few minutes, it's something that I touch on every single week It's, you know, when you're responding to people on social media, you know, you always want to make sure that we're thinking about them and their experience, or, you know, when we're doing marketing campaigns and we're trying to get in front of other prospects that we think would be a good client partner for us. Again, the messaging is the same. We want to help you. We're coming from a place of caring. Yeah. And so, no, I don't, I don't think our tone really changes from one way to the other. And that's how we really truly maintain who we are. And, and I keep bugging our executives here. I really, I would love to change up our campaign, which is right now, have we see the people, not the cars and that, which is true. And it goes along with everything you earn, mm-hmm. but I would love to switch it up to um, talk about the fact that our company has expanded to be a nationwide company because of our results, because mm-hmm. of our referrals. Most of our new businesses come from referrals and it's results and referrals. I mean, that's really how we can quantify how successful we've been.
1: Absolutely. For all of the indicators of a healthy company, having an endless number of referrals coming in is a great sign. Mm -hmm. And I think that's amazing. So just to be respectful of our listeners' time and also thank you, Kristen, for joining us. We just kind of follow this up with with one last question. Do you have a final takeaway or any kind of big conversation piece that you can leave our audience so that they go talking about this for years and years and years and then always use you for marketing? Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of pressure.
2: That is a lot of pressure. You know, I think that people align themselves with brands that they truly believe in. And I think that Whether you're working for a company that you truly believe in, which also helps in the success of your career, if you're in the marketing industry, you really have to believe in the brand that you're working with, or you're a consumer and you're supporting brands. The thought of authenticity comes up in every stage of your life. And I feel like once I sort of discovered that I've been a lot more successful in my job, in my personal life, in the way I spend my money... And, you know, you just sort of feel good about your where you're spending your money, where you're spending your time, how you're spending your career. And I just think that, you know, if I can give one more piece of advice out there, especially in the marketing industry, is that for the last seven years, I've spent 10 hours a week on reading and learning Mm. not only what's going on in my industry, but what's going on in the technology industry, how consumers are buying. Even though I'm in the parking industry, I have to be aware of that. And so I know that was a lot of advice. You just asked me for one. (laughs) Hey,
0: all good. Kristen, I've got to ask you one more question. Uh, Have you ever considered strategically uh, a VIP voucher program for local VIPs, say, podcast hosts? Oh, yeah. In the San Diego area. (laughs) Has that sort of campaign ever come across your desk?
2: You know, it hasn't. However, I will take all things into consideration. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll get a proposal over to you next week.
2: <laughs> okay, great.
0: <laughs> awesome. So Kristen, again, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure having you on the Lionshare Marketing Podcast. And uh, I know Kyle and I really enjoyed our conversation. I'm sure our listeners will as well. So thank you again, Kristen, for joining us today.
2: Oh, thanks for having me, guys. It's been great.
0: All right, thank you.
1: once again, we'd like to thank Kristen Ludwig for being our guest today on the Lion's Share Marketing Podcast. If you would like to download the show notes or see the show notes rather, you can go to com slash nine. That's com slash nine. Also, if you'd like to leave us a five-star review, thank you, first of all, for everyone who has been leaving us five-star reviews. We really appreciate those. But if you have not left one yet for us, we would love to hear your feedback You can go on over to iTunes and uh, leave us a review. And you can also go to the website, which is lionsharepodcast.com and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. So until next time, which will be episode 10, we appreciate you listening and we will see you on the next episode. Cheers.
0: You've been listening to the Lion Share Podcast brought to you by Fidelitas Development, your marketing partner for better brand loyalty.